So a bunch of years ago when I was a pastor uh, down at Holy Cross, uh, down the road, Tavia, uh, I had, uh, after a, a long stretch of just uh, working and uh, I was, was tired, it was, it was time for a little bit of a break, and so a friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, we decided to take a week and, and do a, a short vacation. And uh, we were gonna meet up at the airport and, and, and go. And so the night before we were supposed to meet up at the airport to, to do our uh, vacation, uh, my priest friend called me and said, sorry to do this to you, but I can't go. Something's come up in my family and I, I gotta take care of it. And so uh, he goes, you'll have to go by yourself. And I said, well, I, didn't, I, I don't wanna go on vacation by myself. So I said, that's okay, no worries. I'll pray for you and your, your family and I'll just, I'll cancel the trip and we'll do it another time. And I said that to him, uh, as soon as I hung up, I was like, man, what a, what a ripoff. <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, I was so, I was so looking forward to it and I, I just felt like totally cheated. And, and I, I started pouting and, and I was, you know, walking around the rectory and I was just like, this is so unfair. And, and I just, I went into a, just a, a funk and a bad mood and, and uh, that whole evening. And so I thought, well, I'll just go down and into the chapel. And we had a little chapel in the basement, so I'm just going to go down there and pray and, and you know, kind of try to work through this. Well, I sat there and prayed, but all I did was uh, complain to Jesus about how mean he was to me. And I was like, this is so unfair. And, you know, I, one of my associates, Father Jim Parker, he's the pastor down there now. And uh, he's one of, those, he, one of those guys who just walks up to people and just says, hey, let me pray over you. He does it all the time. Still does it. And, and he came into the chapel and I was sitting there you know, up in the front and he comes up behind me and I said, I know, I know what he's going to do. He's going to pray over me. And I don't want him to pray over me. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. Leave me alone. Let me pout. And sure enough, he puts his hands in my, in my head and he's like praying over me for like two minutes. And I'm totally resentful. I'm like, get this over with. Will you just get out of here? And... Uh, and he finally starts praying, and I'm totally resistant, and he starts walking out, and he turns around, and he says, hey, by the way, Dan, you know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you, it's what you do with what happens to you. And I'm like, who do you think you are? <laughs> and talking to me like that. <laughs> Raining on my little pity party. What are you doing? Get out of here. Uh, but as soon as he said it, it it's like I was, it, it just got me at the right second and I, I let it in and I, and I just said, you know, he's right. He's totally right. Things happen in our lives all the time where we get ripped off or cheated or things don't go our way. What's our response? It's, how, do you, how do you handle situations like that? That speaks a lot about our character, right? And, and so I, I prayed for some, I prayed then, but I was open. And it's like, all right, the Lord just put this peace on my heart, gave me an inspiration. I ran upstairs, picked up the phone. I called my mom and dad and said, hey, I got a week off. Let's do a road trip. So we did. We, uh, the next day, we, uh, I picked him up. We got in the car and we just, we drove all over like, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, the Midwest. And we had a f fantastic time. What a total gift. What a total gift to be able to do that. How, how much, how the Lord will work if we let Him. If we get over our pride and our, our self-centeredness and, and, you know, our, our, our spoiled natures and just to let the Lord, you know, work through the situations that are causing us so much grief. How much, how much, how, what great things can happen? You know? 
It's not what happens, it's what we do with it. And if we choose to be spoiled and like silent treatments and angry and door slammers, whatever it is our response is when things don't go our way. We've all got our, our default uh, spoiled reaction, don't we? And you know, what it essentially does is it locks us up. It, it, it puts us in our own, we put ourselves in this little prison. We put ourselves there. So I was thinking of that when I, I read the gospel where it says, Jesus heard that John had been arrested. John's in prison. John's in jail. John's in darkness. John is locked up. But the, the difference is with John, John's in jail, literally, but he's the freest guy in the world. You can say, how can that be? He's in jail. He can't, do, he can't do what he wants. He can't go on vacation. He can't go visit his friends. He can't, you know, drive his car here. He, he can't go to this restaurant. He can't be with his family at his house with his, you know, with his, with his, with his parents. He can't do that. How can you say he's free? Because it doesn't matter what we got. It matters what we do with what we've got. To be able to lose everything and yet still have the one thing that nobody can take away from us, that's freedom. That's Christ. John, his whole life has been about Jesus. What's changed? Nothing. He still has Jesus. He still has the one thing his whole life has been focused on. You can throw him in jail. You can cut off his head. He's still the freest guy in the world. He's in jail and he's free. We're free, but we're in prison. We're in prison. We're not free. Everybody here, we've all got something. Where we're so focused on getting our way, we're so focused on being in control, not letting the Lord have our life. We're holding something back, brothers and sisters, all of us do. That's our jail, that's our prison, that's our darkness. That's where Jesus comes to heal us, to make us free. So here's the interesting thing. As soon as he says, Jesus heard that John had been arrested. Next line, he goes to Zebulun and Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali, why does he do that? In response to John being in prison, Jesus goes to Zebulun and Naphtali. Isaiah mentioned Zebulun and Naphtali in the first reading. Let me explain it just a little bit. Isaiah was prophesying against Israel because they were disobedient, because they were spoiled children, because they didn't want to listen to God, because they didn't want to do what God asked them to do, so they were going to do what they wanted to do. God, you're telling me I can't go on vacation. I'm going to slam the door, I'm going to get mad, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. God, you're telling me that I have to live this way or I have to, I have to surrender to you. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to do it. That was Israel. And Isaiah is saying, you better get your act together. You better listen because you're going to lose the blessing. And they didn't. And so Isaiah is saying, you Zebulun Naphtali, you think you're free? You're not free. You're going away. You're going to jail. You're going to prison. You're going to get locked up. And sure enough, the Assyrians came down from the way, from far north and they invaded Israel. And the first, king, the first tribes that got taken out, guess who they were? Zebulun, Naphtali. 
were the first two to be sent away, locked up, thrown in jail, sent into exile. The cities were destroyed. The country was emptied. The Assyrians laid waste. That's what sin does to us. That's what our spoiled, self-centered natures does to us. It locks us up. It, it ruins us. It's, we're spoiled. We're ruined. So, that's why Jesus then, when he hears that John is in jail, he knows it's time for him to start. So where does he start? He starts at the first place where Israel was busted up. He starts at the first place where Israel's wounds and sins and brokenness caused them to be thrown into jail, sent into exile, and lose their place. The first place where Israel is broken is the first place Jesus goes to heal. Zebulun, Naphtali. The first place in our life where we are broken. The first wounds that we experience out of which we act and live and cause so much pain and distress in our life, that's where Jesus is going to go and heal us. But we got to open ourselves up and say, I want you to do it. The source of our brokenness, our wounds, our prison that we put ourselves into. The thing that makes us unfree. That's what Jesus wants to take care of. This is what he's doing. He's gathering all the exiles. He's gathering all the scattered remnant of Israel. All the wounds and all the divisions that Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians. All that to bring them out of oneness. He has come as the great doctor to heal the wounds that have, that have dispersed us, that have sent us to jail, that have locked us up in our own dark places. He's coming to heal it and bring us all together and make us one. In Him. The source of unity is Jesus. And He's saying to us, wherever you're divided in your life, you've got to give that to me. Let me heal it. And it's healed when we take everything we have, our vacations or our homes, our money, our kids, our technology, our friends, or whatever it is, and our, all the things in our life that are important to us, do we give them to Jesus and use them in a way that unifies our family, unifies our life, unifies the church, unifies the culture? Do we do it? Do we, do we give it to him to give him glory? That's the question. And where we don't, that's our slavery, that's our prison, that's our darkness, and he wants to heal it. Here's a, here's a, here's a thought. A few weeks, it's Lent. All right, you guys ready for Lent? Have you started thinking about it? This is what our prayer should be for the next few weeks till Lent starts. Jesus, show me where I'm wounded. Show me where I'm divided in my heart. Jesus, show me where I have held something back for you. Jesus, show me my pride and my willfulness and show me the things in my life that I use to exercise my pride. Show me where I'm a door slammer, a silent treatment person. Show me where I'm a shouter. Or an, show me where I'm angry. Show me where I don't give you my life and heal it. Probably the biggest source of division in our culture, in our families, in our own lives is our technology. Think about all the time you spend doing, doing your phone. All the time you, like, is there a moment of your day where you don't have that in your hand or in your pocket and you're not looking at it? First moment where you're bored or you've got a, a second in the car or you're even at the, sitting at a restaurant. I love that when I go to a restaurant and I see families there and all the kids have tablets. 
Now, I'm not making any judgments, but don't you go to a restaurant? Don't you sit at a table and have a meal so you can talk to each other and be with each other? So, you see, wherever I've gone in, as a pastor, all my parishes, I've asked them to do one thing with me during one. You know what that is? No screens. No screens, brothers and sisters. For, for 40 days, no social media, no Instagram, no Snapchat, and nobody should have Snapchat anyways. That's just a terrible thing. Uh, no TV, all right? No internet, no computer, no screens. Now, obviously, there's exceptions. Like, I always make an exception for myself. March Madness. <laughs> you, gotta have, you have to blow a little steam off, right? But, so the exceptions would be this. Stuff you need for school, for work, emails that you gotta do to keep in contact, necessary contact, necessary texting, which, you know, I get it, but my gosh. How much, I mean, how much of it is necessary? And so anything that's unnecessary, get rid of it. Maybe a little, like this exception to no TV uh, would be uh, Sunday night when you want to do a family night where you watch a movie. That's okay. But you've got to agree to it before it, Lent starts, and you stick to it. But no, no screens. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, we're scattered in our own little dark places, but because we don't have that, that idol in our life, we've, dis we've gotten rid of it. All of a sudden, we start to come back together. Jesus is healing the, the divisions in our family. He's bringing us back together, and we start talking. We start spending time with each other. We, we do meaningful things for our spouse and our kids, and, and we're more attentive to each other. It's, it's freedom. You think, I can't do it. It scares me to think about what my life would be like if I didn't have that phone in my hand all the time. Guess what? If it scares you, guess what it is? It's slavery. It's a prison. That little bright light in your hand is darkness. If it scares you, it's an idol. It scares me, it's totally an idol. And I have to, every so often, I have to shock the system and get rid of it because <laughs> what am I doing all the time with this thing? So if it scares you, pray about it. You bring it to Jesus. Do you want me to have an idol in my life? Jesus, do you want me to be on my phone all the time? What do you think he's going to say? He's going to say, get rid of it. That's why I want you to pray. Because it takes a few weeks to get your, your head around it. But parents, take control. Get your families back. Take control of your family. Be leaders, spiritual leaders, and, and, and make it happen. Right? So, just an idea. <laughs> You're like, he's crazy. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, you know, we, we need to be cured. We're all Zebulun. We're all Naphtali. We're all broken. We're all in jail. And Jesus has come. He says, I've got freedom to live life in a way that if you lost everything, you'd still be free because you have me, a light shining in the darkness. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God. Let's stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God.